Thank you and welcome back to Mr. Matinee. I am very happy to report that I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. I saw Top Gun very young, and then I saw Days of Thunder all through the years. I've ended up liking Days of Thunder more through the years, because those were where my interests lie. Is You know, I like, I really like the presentation of that movie. Uh, one of the best sports movies ever made. Definitely, it's like perhaps the most rewatchable, and I don't think that's debatable. I think it's on HBO all the time for a reason. I think people watch it all the time and have it on for a reason. It's a beautiful movie. Same with Top Gun. Obviously, more so with Top Gun. For the larger public, Top Gun is beloved. I I beloved it as well. Um, so all the different characters. From Whip Hubley. I don't think Whip Hubley is back in this film. Obviously, Anthony Edwards is not back in present tense, but I believe that they did either photos. I don't know. Hard to say what they did. Maybe they did some kind of CGI of Anthony Edwards at times. It seems to be almost memories or photos, but it could be what the you know the viewer you know playing tricks. Could be things playing tricks on us. So uh, you got Jennifer Connelly in the film. And I'm gonna rewatch Top Gun again, but I just saw it a week ago. There's a character mentioned that he was, you know, involved with the uh, bar owner's daughter. I guess prior to being involved with Kelly McGillis or while being involved with her. So that character is brought to life by Jennifer Connelly. And I think regardless of what anyone says about her performance in the film or anything uh, I think she's a shoe in to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress I think that she's a very good populist choice to win it and beyond that I really think it's the kind of role and the situation that she deserved she probably even deserved more from this movie uh, she brings uh, everything to the movie I maybe wasn't even thinking that as much but then I heard someone say that you know, like a hot take that the movie could be done without her. And then I was like, no, no, no that can't be done. Uh, that, that's not the case. Um, had they written Kelly McGillis in and they would have done the whole story geared with that and everything, that would be a different situation and a different thing, you know. In real life, ironically, Kelly McGillis owned a bar, I believe, in Key West. So Jennifer Connelly's character played a bar owner, but that wouldn't really fit with... Uh, the circumstances from part one where Kelly McGillis was like a, uh, a Navy psychops person or whatever her character was. So she fell out of acting over the last 25 years. I believe she was obviously in movies up to the mid nineties that I could name, you know, babe, all sorts of different films. Um, and even up until the two thousands, but fell out of acting 
I believe lived in Key West, had a bar, maybe sold that. But to the thing being that um, she's not in the film. So whatever went on be her, between her and the producers and her and Tom Cruise or the screenwriters, because you got to imagine she was at one point part of the screenplay, you know, over the 15, 20 year development process. Um, one thing I would have loved or wanted and I'll just point out Tom Cruise does do this weird introduction right before the movie starts where he comes on there and says hello and and thank you for being here at the theater doesn't say like welcome back but he says thank you for being at the theater Uh, we all worked hard to get this here on the theater for you and that um, what does he say so we we incurred real G's we incurred real Mach 10 and above um, to, for the making of this movie. We put it all on the line. Something so many years in the making. So elements of what he's saying are really authentic and really awesome to hear. But, you know, everyone knows it's like a lot going on in the making of it, a lot going on with him and everything. So it's a little bit of a strange uh, speech. But then it goes right into it and he says enjoy Top Gun Maverick and then it goes to the credits so my whole point is then the whole movie plays and then it goes to the first uh, you know 200 credits or so I think most of the acting and maybe some technical credits and then it goes as this like great sunset is there to in memory of Tony Scott so that I would have liked that to maybe occurred in the beginning of the opening credits. I know that sounds crazy, but like in memory of Tony Scott, a Jerry Simpson, Don Breckheimer production, you know, almost like that. But that's just because I'm a huge fan of Tony Scott to the extent that I feel those kind of shots set up everything to the success of part one. It's possibly the most beautifully designed action blockbuster of all time in terms of a visual sense and auditory sense with a you know mer- you know score marauder i believe marauder or faltermeyer um everything you know so as a total tribute it would have been great because it like literally i don't know if thomas cruise has the career he has if it wasn't for um top gun and days of thunder obviously in between those films he has cocktail and rain man um but yeah i would say very strongly that, um, you know, it was nice to see Tony Scott's name right there at the end. I'm glad I didn't walk out right before the end, but I was literally about to walk out. I'm standing there at the end being like, they better put something right there. And it's like, yeah, of course. In memory of Tony Scott. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously I'm reading about Don Simpson and he's involved in a lot of sadism. He's involved in a lot of interesting stuff, but he does get a credit. Or not interesting, I say, you know, relatively negative to others stuff maybe there was consent involved but a lot of odd behavior and um whatever no one's here to judge or anything but uh there's no in memory of don simpson but there's not for the last 30 movies that brockheimer's made because he put in memory of don simpson very prominent in the uh the rock credits so, to that extent, I could understand Brockheimer wanted to have a little bit of a 
uh, divide from that. Uh, I guess I could break through the whole plot and everything like that, but um, basically, you don't really get any real world war type mentioning of stuff, because I guess they wanted to play in China. I'm imagining, so they didn't want to have any, like, what nationality the enemy is type stuff. So that's kind of faceless and bizarre. Almost like, you know, I don't even know. But anyway, you got this guy, Glenn Powell, who I guess has been in Hidden Figures. And of, uh, was, he was in the every, he was in, uh, Dazed and Confused. Somewhat of a sequel called Everybody Wants Some. And he's playing this real, I don't even know what kind of character. This, they're trying to portray him as this alpha male type deal. But I never bought it. I never bought any of the scenes really with him. They give him kind of this dumb thing where they have to toss Tom Cruise out of the bar. Because I guess he didn't bring his credit card with him. He doesn't have enough cash. Uh, but that's like, you know, part of the whole courtship going on with Jennifer Connelly. So he's kind of shoehorned into that. And I, I don't know if they're trying to show that maybe Glenn Powell had some involvement with Jennifer Connelly, but I would imagine if this movie was 20, 30 minutes longer, there'd be some backstory on his character. So I wouldn't mind seeing some deleted scenes, but his portrayal as is, kind of crazy. We're portraying him as the savior as the movie goes on. Um, you know, spoilers, obviously. So hopefully you all have seen the movie prior to listening to this, because... I'll spoil it going right forward. He, uh, they end up having to, uh, Tom Cruise sacrifices himself to save Goose's son. Goose's son then sacrifices himself to go look for Maverick, Tom Cruise, and they are then stranded and have to do really cool, like, running and evasive action from a plane. And then they basically sneak into uh, an enemy hangar and fly out some really outdated old plane against two big planes. And I believe they shoot down one of the big planes. And then one of their big planes is about to missile them out of existence. But then Glenn Powell comes and saves the day and says on the speakerphone, I am that good, I am your savior today or something. So it's like, you know, I I know what they're trying to do with it and everything, and I wish this character maybe had two more scenes, because then you'd either, you know, say, oh, he's unlikable, but I like the portrayal. But as it is, it just comes off as this guy's just trying to front and be on camera with Tom Cruise in the four or five scenes that he has, because he then basically, I think, yells at him, or they get in a fight. Uh, him and Miles Teller, who plays Goose's son, uh, Rooster, so Rooster and what they call Hangman, which is Glenn Powell getting a fight once it's revealed that Goose died because of, you know, I guess pilot error or some error of Maverick. I don't really think that, but anyway, that's what they, the, you know, part of the plot here, obviously. So then Tom Cruise goes and visits Iceman, and Iceman's now... I guess the head of the whole military and he's still so utterly familiar with these aspects of his life and these particular Top Gunners and I guess he's in charge of the Top Gun Academy not only that but I don't know there's all these photos when they walk in that you know of them and 
it's like, hasn't there been like three, four generations almost of fighters? Hasn't there been wars, secret missions, all sorts of stuff? Why are these guys being celebrated still? But it's all for our enjoyment. It's a celebration sequel, legacy sequel. And we see this great scene where we know Val Kilmer in real life has struggled with throat cancer. So instead of him being able to talk, the wife of him sets up it that he is uh, too sickly to talk at times. So then when you walk in and Tom Cruise is talking to him and he's talking through a computer and he looks, you know, looks nice and uh, basically giving him advice to, I guess, keep teaching or making sure these, those particular fighters work as a team. Um, then he talks, gives some like Yoda-like advice. I can't really remember the exact words, but because of his voice sounding more like a Yoda type figure. <laughs> so that was totally interesting. Seems in pretty good health in that scene, but then uh, 15 minutes after or so, there's some big event that happens in the plot. Can't really remember what, but then the next scene is this uh, kind of black assistant Top Gun deck type guy. Uh, the actor's name is Bashar or something. I don't really know who he is, but they give him a pretty prominent role. So Bashar says to... Uh, Tom Cruise, you know, take this phone call, and we jump cut right to the funeral of Iceman. And that's got to be a really uh, emotional scene. They do it really well. Um, Would have been cool to see, like, maybe some video message or, like, some video montage, I was thinking, because there are some funerals that do that. But anyway, they do the whole, like, military salute the guns Tom Cruise like gets some thing like a top gun symbol and like pounds it into the coffin so it's all like dramatic so honestly this movie is so classic it's it's um I mean it's amazing I really 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 enjoyed it as I'm describing it more and more I'm just I'm enjoying it more because that scene I mean I mean, does every scene meet its expectations, or is it every scene great? No. Some of them are six, seven, or eight. But, um... I would say, uh... The next scenes after that are... They're training. And they're trying to kill this uranium target. Which is of some unknown country so like I said then they go on that huge mission he's top cruise selects um, rooster after you know kind of being uh, part of the plot is that he pulled rooster's papers four years ago and it cost rooster you know four years in the academy or something because Meg Ryan was dying, and that was her dying wish. So that's the reason why Meg Ryan's not in it. Would be interesting to see maybe that portrayed on camera. But you know, this isn't a TV show, so so much happens off screen. So honestly, off screen between Top Gun 
in between uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, this Tom Cruise character has been with Jennifer Connelly off and on for years and years, even those the daughter. So you get a Jerry Maguire type dynamic instead of the kid being four or five, the kid's 12 or 13. One time he's jumping out of the bedroom window so the daughter doesn't find them. But then the daughter is pretty smart. She finds him anyway. And uh, you got some really, really good scenes between Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly, the daughter. Maybe it would have been nice to see even a couple more. A couple, uh, one great scene where she takes him to go, to go sailing. He says, you know, have you ever been on a boat? Or he doesn't know, you know, he's in the Navy, but he doesn't know anything about boats. He just lands planes on them. Well, that's a really great scene. Them out on a plane, or what do you call it? Them on out on a sailboat. One of those big, uh, you know, like America's Cup type boats. Like one of the best in the world, it looked like. So you may wonder, you know, sure, this bar must get a lot of business, but... You know, where did she get this thing? But it's pretty awesome. She takes some sailing. I don't know if they removed cable wires or what, but for Jennifer Connelly at her age, probably never having sailed at all, I mean, she looks totally believable for this like four or five minute sequence. So maybe there's some stunt doubles at times. Uh, but there's times where she's like, hey, uh, Tom Cruise, you got your balance properly? You know, uh, Tom Cruise's character, because he's flopping around all over the place. And she's like, you know, get the, you know, uh, similar to the wedding crashers scene, you know, get the, the jig boom and get this through the anchor and get that, you know, trying to tell him how to get the sails up and everything. And it's just, I mean, shit, as I'm describing that scene, that's just the, maybe the scene of the movie. So then they go on their mission and... I haven't pointed out, there's this character named Bob, that's his code name is Bob. There's a woman named Phoenix, uh, you know, like a Hispanic woman who they're, I guess, showing Miles Teller and her are involved with, but like I said, they're all given pretty short shrift, and I guess I'm overall glad about that. Overall, I'm glad that it's just a Tom Cruise movie and these characters are just totally you know, Emilio Estevez from part one of Mission Impossible. Like, not really. Uh, but anyway, there's Bob. There's another guy named, like, oh, I don't even know his name, but he blacks out during Mach 10. And it's this black guy. And, you know, Tom Cruise almost, you know, feels responsible. But then the guy lives. That guy, I mean, any actor could have played him. Any actor could have played John Hamm's assistant. In fact, that guy was kind of stood out as being kind of like, what the hell is he doing here? Uh, John Hamm himself. I mean, who can begrudge a guy for taking a huge check like this? But it's a role for... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he, what he was doing there. But there's no real gain to be made out of his... You hate, you know, you hate his character. He's fighting against Tom Cruise. He's the only on-screen enemy that's insulting Tom Cruise. So it's like, yeah, does he do a good job in it? Sure, but why is he there? But anyway, that's a different question and answer. Um, Ed Harris. Uh, Tom Cruise steals this uh, 
plane or Ed Harris wants to shut down this program so Tom Cruise takes this plane out for a test takes it above Mach 10 and you know either blows the plane up or has to eject and you know land somewhere out in the desert and you know almost seems like an alien walking into this diner really funny scene um, but because of that Ed Harris does you know your typical speech you know your relic only good for one thing we're sending you back to top gun and then once he gets to top gun john ham takes over that it's like ed harris was like is no longer in his oversee or overseeing pete mitchell top gun maverick um so it goes on from there and like i was describing earlier uh glenn powell doesn't really do anything until that third act Except, you know, try to beat up Miles Teller during the uh, training session. Tries to maybe hot dog it during their actual, you know, in, in class training session and their actual in sky training session. Tries to, um, you know, he throws Tom Cruise out of the bar. He then saves the day towards the end of the film. Tom. Cruz uh, giving himself to protect Rooster was a great scene. Him actually getting shot down was really, really good special effects. I don't really know how they did it exactly. He's like, you could see him in the cockpit uh, doing like some action to take on the missile that's due for uh, Rooster about in process also shooting down the plane or assisting Miles Teller in finishing off the other plane uh, so I mean honestly it's really hard to describe the aerial combat scenes but they're way better in this movie and they're against real enemies and they're hard to really figure out overly it's kind of like a lot of Iron Man overlays and things like that but their training session sets you up for the final act I'll say that and because they're having to go through like this dry run and John Hamm wants them to do the dry run slower and then you know Maverick obviously does some crazy shit to prove that you can do the dry run and uh, goes above Mach 10 I believe again so it just keeps going on and on and on and uh as it goes on, you know, and they're shot down, uh, you really wonder why Tom Cruise chose Rooster to be in on the action, except for, except that the, the incident happened with Goose all those years ago. So that's interesting. Definitely a, uh, you know, trying to make right for the past type situation. And Glenn Powell saves the day against these unknown enemies. So they fly back onto the carrier. And you get perhaps like the most emotional scene in film history. It's depending. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of scenes in film history, a lot of different things. But you get Tom Cruise in like a tearful embrace with... Uh, Rooster, which is Goose's son. You get everyone else kind of like, 
you know, patting each other on the back, hundreds of people on the deck of this uh, aircraft carrier because they have to land in this crazy manner because they lost their landing gear as part of their, like, leaving of that enemy's uh, aircraft uh, airport area. So anyway, there's so many good scenes. And there's a lot of other little scenes between Jennifer Connelly and Tom Cruise, but I mean, the movie's just magnificent. Um, you know, to see Tom Cruise, you know, in the it, it's a really emotional moment. It really is. Uh, you know, obviously the mission, you don't know the importance in the terms of the world war or anything like that, but I'm glad they chose not to do that because it would make it, uh, this makes it more timeless. And we're not really at full-scale war anymore, so maybe that's why not doing it in the 2000s was, uh, would have been cool to see it because this would have been the third or fourth one by now. I definitely think it would have been successful. You would have had to incorporate the war, though, into it then. So here we are, talking about Top Gun Maverick. Hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope that he's nominated for Best, uh, Best Actor. I hope that she's nominated. I hope the film is nominated. Even if it's not, it's fine. It's still a wonderful movie that everyone will see eventually. And thank you so much.